everybody and welcome to Tailgate Talks. This is week 81 and this is the Tailgate where we discuss what's going on outside of Texas Tech Sports. This week we've got NBA playoff action to cover as series are uh, getting down to the wire and we've got NFL draft talk as the draft begins this weekend. It's one of me and Dustin's favorite weekends of the year with the draft. We love to get into all that. So uh, before we get into all that, make sure you are following the tailgate on uh, Apple and Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, five stars for the tailgate on both of those platforms. If you listen to us on Apple, you can hit us with a review there. That would be greatly appreciated. You can also follow the tailgate on social media. Follow us on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. If you want to follow our personal accounts, you can follow Dustin at DustinWimmer22. And you can follow myself at Calvin B. Barrett. We do most of our interacting on Twitter. So if you ever want to shout us out, questions or thoughts on something going on, hit us up there and we will respond. Also, we have Facebook page where we do our live shows weekly. So you can tune in and be a part of the show there. And also an Instagram page. You can also follow our YouTube channel where we try to post little bite-sized clips from each week's episodes on there. And lastly, if you have any comments, questions, things you want us to talk about in the tailgate, you can email us at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. Let's get into this week's tailgate. Dustin, the NBA playoffs, the first rounds are starting to come to a close as we have our first entry into the second round, but still most of the, most of the series are yet to be decided. So let's start off with the Western Conference where we started last week, and let's start okay. off with your Dallas Mavericks who took a demanding 3-2 lead last night, dominating the Utah Jazz, the Get the hell out of here, Utah Jazz. I'm so done with you, Utah Jazz. Uh, what did you think about that performance? We kind of got to watch some of the end of game four where uh, the Jazz were able to pull it off at the buzzard, but bounced back. Luca had a huge game. What did you think of that win? Yeah, not surprising. Like They kind of you know mixing Luca back in just to get his feet back under him. He had an okay game, but not surprised that they kind of pulled that one off to tie the series, the Jazz did. But then full-on Luka Magic was in effect for Game 5 as they blew yeah. the doors off the Jazz. You know, Donovan Mitchell gets hurt. Um, Hassan Whiteside gets ejected. Um, what I liked about that Hassan Whiteside play was like four, three or four dudes from the Mavericks came over to fight for Luka while Luka yeah. just sat on the floor watching, which is kind of funny. But they had his back hard. Uh, but, yeah, he was putting on a show, doing whatever he wanted. And, obviously, the star of the series has and will be Jalen Brunson. He is still, even with Luka on the floor, is just tearing it up. Yeah. Yeah, so Jalen Brunson so far in this series is averaging 28.6 points per game. And and Dustin, uh, he wasn't really a guy that we talked about a whole lot before this yeah. series started, but boy, has his impact been felt in this Big series time. so far, especially in those games we didn't have Luka. He was going crazy. Yeah, he's huge. I mean, he's making shots. He gets into the paint and doesn't matter who's defending him. He pulls off like post-type moves and gets up and unders and just nailing shots, so... Good for the Mavs for holding on to that. And, uh, you know, the the future could look good, like, in the next round and even after that. Yeah, we'll get to those series that are shaping up to look in favor of the Mavericks. But another thing about Jalen Brunson is he's, after this postseason, you know, usually after every postseason you can look back at guys who got themselves a bag for their playoff performance. This is he's it. definitely a dude who's getting himself paid next season because – of this performance it reminds me a little bit of when we played them in the NCAA tournament oh, yeah. how in control he was at Villanova Very. took him a little bit but he's figured it out and, and yeah. you know he's just a really good player so uh happy to see him having success another player who's having some pretty good success on the defensive side of the floor is Dorian Finney-Smith who is holding opponents he's guarding to shooting 39 percent um he's been able to contest 
the second most amount of shots so far in this postseason next to Joel Embiid, who is, uh, we know, seven foot and huge. So uh, pretty good performance from him. And that, you know, he's had to guard Donovan Mitchell a lot. And one of the reasons the Jazz have been struggling is because of that defensive performance. So Mavs lead the series 3-2 as they head back to Utah. Do you see this, the Mavs ending this in six? Or do you see this one coming back to Dallas for a seventh game? I would think they could end it in six. Um, if they don't, though, I'm not concerned for game seven. You know, like, there's some other teams we're going to talk about that could be concerned going into game seven. But with the Mavericks, they're getting healthier, or it seems like the Jazz just continue to fall apart. Yeah, and Luca looks back to his kind of normal self uh, going for 33 and 13. So uh, that's a scary sight for the Jazz. They only scored 77 points in that game. Uh, just terrible all-around performance. So hopefully the Mavs get it done in six uh, and, and don't have to deal with the Jazz anymore. We can get them on up and get out of the playoffs. Blow them up. Uh, so next series we've got, and we'll go ahead and talk about it now because game five is on the TV okay. as we speak, and that's the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. Series is tied at two apiece. Right now we're in the fourth quarter as we're recording with five minutes oh. left in the – Timberwolves are up by four. So Timberwolves trying to hold on and take a three-game-to-two lead as they would head back to Minnesota. Dustin, this has been a really fun series. What have your thoughts been on this series so far between two young teams? It's been young. It's been fun. And John Morant tried to end this game on a crazy dunk earlier. But the I think the biggest story you have it in our notes here. Yep. The Wolves are undefeated in protest games in this postseason. They're 3-0. That last game, if you haven't seen it, go look up Crazy. the security guard tackling pro, uh, Minnesota protester because that security guard was all over it. That person barely took a step on the floor and got tackled all over it. She, was, she crushed it and tackled that girl so hard. And the funniest part of that – they still played like five seconds of real game time uh, during that the whole. Literally, there's like four guys, four security people on top of this girl at the top of the key, and they're still fighting for a rebound under the basket. <laughs> it was one of the most bizarre things I've seen. Like you said, like that security guard snuffed it out from the start. Oh, like you can. See I rewinded it so many times to so oh, rewatch it. It was great. You're just like, I see you. Oh, and as boom. soon as she got up, boom. That's like, man, that was perfect. Read the yeah. angle correctly. Great um, angle, great tackle. Great tackle. NFL draft, like pick her up. And then they just drug her out. And she was just like, like yeah. dead out there. And they were just like, <laughs> get your ass out of here. Uh, and then did you see that she like had made her own little homemade DIY uh, NBA? Yeah, I don't movie? know what the whole point was. I just wonder, like, what protest group is this? Because they're paying a lot of money for very high-priced courtside tickets for the playoff games. Like, that's not yeah. cheap for at least one or yeah. two people. Like, they're paying – For them just to get kicked out. They're paying <laughs> tickets that go to the franchise of the owner that they're protesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand it. I know it's about, like, the way he's been euthanizing chickens is from what I've Well, heard. they had the bird flu. What are you going to um, do about it? So, um, also, my favorite point in all the other shows I listen to about this do those people not know what those happened to those chickens, anyways? Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna get killed in another month or two, anyways. They're gonna get killed anyway, <laughs> like, Maybe it's just in a more humane way, but they're still dying. <laughs> so, I don't know, I don't really know what they're doing other than kind of yeah. making fools of themselves. Yeah. Um, but also giving us great content at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, Timberwolves are undefeated in these games. They currently hold a one-point lead. I don't know if there's been a protest yet, but if they're unable to win that one, um, if they're unable to hold on, we'll know why. And so this series looks like it's maybe going to go six or seven. Uh, as we sit here, Timberwolves made another shot. You see them being able to pull the upset off. You had the Clippers originally in this and moving on. Do you see the do you see the Timberwolves yeah. upsetting the Grizzlies here? Yeah, they're not backing down. Um and honestly, like the Grizzlies aren't 
haven't shown they can really take them over. They had that one twenty six point run, but should have had a protester during that. That would have helped. Right. But no, they're not backing down and Carl Anthony Towns shows up like he's kinda starting to. Well that really helps Timberwolves out. So yeah, I could see this going either way. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns finally showed up in game four. He had thirty yeah, yeah. points in that one. It was nice to see him actually show up to a playoff game for once. Uh <laughs> He had been terrible so far, but, you know, he was able to perform in that one. I don't really know what he's done tonight, um, but hopefully I, I kind of want to see this one go seven. It would be fun to see this get uh, the yeah. full seven games out of it, but I don't really know, you know, I don't really know where I've got it. It's a one-point game right now, so we'll keep kind of updating you guys as cool. uh, the game unfolds. Uh, another series that could have potential to go the distance, and that's the Suns versus Pelicans, which we did not see at the start of this happening whatsoever, but Devin Booker uh, was injured in end of game one, and that completely changes the Suns. Uh, Devin Booker is their best player by far, and while Chris Paul controls the offense and whatnot, it's hard to lose a guy like Devin Booker who is having a, you know, an MVP caliber season, averaging like 25-5, and five, uh, just consistent every night, one of the hardest players to defend in the league. And, you know, him and Chris Paul really work well off each other. And now, all of a sudden, it kind of looks good for the Pelicans, who have been... If you look at them from February, when they kind of made the C.J. McCollum trade yes. till now, they've been a top-10 offense and defense. They've been playing much better. They got two certified buckets in Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum. Brandon Ingram's been averaging almost 30 points a game so far in this series. So, Dustin, do you see another upset brewing here? Do you think the Pelicans have a chance to knock the Suns off or do you see the Suns staving off elimination here and finding a way to get it done? They've got the advantage with two of the last three games being at home. Uh, so where do you see the series going from here? Yeah, talk about another team that's not scared and backing down. You know, had to get through the playing game and then get the luxury of playing the Suns who won 60-plus games this year. But without Booker... Suns are hobbling, and the Pelicans, like you said, with CJ and Brandon Ingram. I mean, Brandon Ingram's playing like Kevin Durant should have been playing the last right. week. And he's – they're making it happen. And this is all without Zion, too. Um, this is kind of – I see this as, you know, how the um, – dang, who did we just talk about? The Grizzlies. I don't know why I forgot them. How the Grizzlies this last yeah. year made a huge jump from barely getting in the playoff play-in game to obviously a two-seed. The Pelicans could make that jump next year, bringing back Moses' team and Zion. They could be a huge, huge problem next year. Um, but, yeah, right now with the Suns, it – I don't know. The Suns are trying to figure it out without Booker, and you don't have time to figure things out in the playoffs, especially with only three games left. Yeah, so they're going to need tight. some of their role players to step up, and, and it can't be all on Chris Paul. Uh, but, yeah, the Pelicans are feisty, man. They've got a lot of dudes on that team who um, kind of were outcasted. You know, you got Jose yeah. Alvarado, who's this point guard who was undrafted, <laughs> who's just wreaking havoc on Chris Paul. Yep. Uh, you got Brandon Ingram, who was kind of a cast off in the Anthony Davis trade. Um, you know, you've got a bunch of dudes out there and CJ McCollum, who's always kind of been considered not like all-star level, but is probably one of the best isolation players, best bucket getters in all the NBA. And so for them, I think this has got to be encouraging for Zion to see there's been the fractured relationship, but if he sees what this team's doing now and what it, the potential could be with him in there, I think that's got to be enticing to hopefully kind of mend things and see that there could be a really good future if he stays yep. and believes in the process. Uh, so we'll see what happens with this future, but you know, I'm, I'm nervous for the Suns, man. Like, yeah, like it's, it's, it's looking like a pretty even series uh, once, you know, they lost Booker. And like you mentioned, yep. if you're the Mavericks and you win this series against the jazz, like, and the Pelicans move on, like you're well, setting up for a pretty nice run here, then you're going to have a shot at making the finals. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's a real, yeah, that's real. That's not just like hoping, like whoever you get second round, I mean, you should have a good shot against yeah. because the Suns won't have Booker and the Pelicans are the eight seed Pelicans. So, yeah, they're good right now, but can they keep it going? 
and it's realistic because every single one of these games has been close. It's yep. not like the Suns have in their wins blowing them out or anything like that. Like the Pelicans had an opportunity to be up three one three one right now, honestly. Um, so uh, scary times for the Suns. See if they can uh, figure out how to regain control of that series, or if the Pelicans will be able to pull off one of the only ever one uh, eight to one upsets. There's only been a few, so they have a chance to add on to that. Uh, and the last series in the West, which kind of seems like it's already over, even though the Nuggets were able to fight off elimination and uh, get that one win. Uh, Warriors have been dominant in this series. Clay is back to looking like oh, yeah. regular Clay Thompson. He's been averaging 24.5 points per game on 52.8 field goal percentage and 50% three-point shooting while taking like almost 10 threes a game. So... Uh, that's scary sights, and that's kind of like we talked last week. The Warriors have looked more and more like the healthy Warriors that at the beginning of the season had everybody thinking that this is a team that's going to run away and win the title. They're kind of looking like uh, that right now. Uh, anything changed your mind on them since the last time we talked? Nope, and it's mostly, yeah, Warriors are too good with all their pieces. You know, they're a four-headed monster, and – you know, the Nuggets just don't have enough firepower with two of their stars hurt yeah. and Jokic just can't pull the rest of them along to try to try to get over this hump. So the that's probably why he'll get MVP because he's drugged his team to this far. Yeah. But you know, that doesn't that doesn't work in come playoff time. Yeah, so don't let the lopsided series fool you. Jokic has been putting up numbers. He's averaging thirty one, twelve and five this series. Uh and so, or, and so he's putting up his his usual numbers. He's been really usual good. Usual day, him. man. Uh, he's the only only thing they got going over there. But that series looks to be over. So kind of as the series are shaping up, and it looks like we're kind of coming to who's your favorites right now. We both had the Suns making it. Who do you got now coming out of the West? Are you are you believing the Warriors end up coming out of the West? Do you feel like the Mavs have a really good chance here to make a finals run? Where where your head at as the first round kind of comes to an end? Yeah, overall, it's Warriors right now. Um, Suns they got to get through Pelicans and the next round without you know Devin Booker, so they're a huge question mark. Yeah, I think uh, the Suns as a big question mark. It's going to be really tough for them to get out of the second round without Devin Booker. Now, maybe he's able to come back before that and make that series a lot more interesting. Um, sorry, right now the Grizzlies might be able to ice it. Um, yeah, I'm watching too. So that's interesting. The Grizzlies, they're too young to, I think, overtake the Warriors if they were able to make it to the next round. So. To me, I think this shapes up as a Warriors-Mavs Western Conference Finals, which would be awesome to watch Luka go against uh, Golden State. But I think the Mavs would have a good shot because they do play really solid defense and they have yeah. versatile guards. They've turned that defense around really well. So um, that'll be very interesting to watch, and it looks like the Grizzlies might be able to pull it off here and get the 3-2 series win. Um, we'll kind of keep you all updated on that. Let's go to the Eastern Conference where two series have been finalized. Let's start off with the Heats and Hawks. Dustin, the Heat finished off the Hawks tonight, grabbing that fourth win to end the series. The Hawks were able to still won uh, and, you know, kind of be competitive. But, you know, ended up getting blown out in game four and then lost to the Heat who were without Jimmy Buckets tonight. Trey in this series before this game, he was had 24 turnovers and 24 assists. So the Heat were defense was really causing him problems. He only had 20 baskets in the series. Uh, and so Trey was really stifled and I'm not sure what his numbers were tonight, but he has not been good. Meanwhile, Jimmy Butler uh, continues to go from regular season mode to playoff season mode, and he's just a different guy. He's averaging 30 points a game. Seven rebounds a game, five assists per game, almost like three steals a game compared yeah. to like the 21 points per game that he was averaging during the regular season. His three-point percentage has also gone from 23% to 44% in the postseason. So Damn. he's just another animal. Anything to add as the uh, Hawks, you know, didn't care about the regular season and they should have. Their short-lived uh, postseason comes to an end. 
Yeah, you just really hate to see a guy like Trey Young have such a terrible series. That's just such a shame, you know. Yeah, but so. <laughs> I think more of the series was the Heat heard all the all the talk in the East was about everybody else. It was about the Bucks and the Sixers and the Celtics and the Nets. And no one was talking about the Heat, even though they're the one seed. And so yeah. I think they weren't really wanted to wake everybody up and be like, no, we're for real. That, that wasn't a uh, – regular season just fluke we're we're here to be the one seed and our heat culture is for real so i think that is a definite wake up call for the next team that has to face them yeah it's an impressive thing and and they're able to do it with a bunch of other guys too you know max Struess had a pretty good series i think he was their second leading scorer but it just kind of shows you they were able to win all those games in this regular season without like a dominant jimmy butler and then you get to the playoffs, and he's able to go up another level. And that just makes him even more dangerous if he's able to do that. Yeah, I don't really have much other to add than, you know, I think the Heat have kind of cemented their legitimacy so far in this postseason. Um, I mean, say what you want about the Hawks this season. They had a really cold start. They were kind of coming on down the stretch, and they've got a player like Trey Young who can go off any night, and they were able to just stifle him. They have a lot of dudes who can play really yeah. good defense. And I think Victor Oladipo had a pretty good game tonight. So you're even getting contributions from all over the court from all sorts of players. They're really deep and they're really good. Uh, the other series that came to an end, Dustin, your Nets, the only team Yikes. this postseason to not secure a victory in what we thought was going to be one of the best series of the whole postseason. And it still was a good series. It's not like the Celtics completely yeah. blew them out every game. Every game was pretty close, came down to a couple plays down the stretch, but ultimately the Celtics kind of solidified themselves at the top of the Eastern Conference with this dominating series win. So the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown duo have themselves a series. Jason Tatum averaging almost 30 points a game, seven assists per game, almost two steals per game, and shooting 41% from three. Jalen Brown averaging 22.5 points per game, five rebounds per game, 2.5 steals per game, and shooting 50% from the field. Uh, the Celtics' defense was able to stifle Kevin Durant in most of these games. He looked pretty uncomfortable uh, a lot. Jason Tatum was able to D him up. Kevin Durant's numbers not very good in this series. Kyrie disappeared after that epic game one performance. Uh, so, Dustin, what did you think about the Nets' uh, early exit from these playoffs and what we kind of expected for them to give more of an effort here? And then after that, your thoughts on the Ben Simmons saga? Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, they handed it to the Nets. I mean, they, they made this happen. I mean, Jason Tatum is making himself look like a top five – guard forward type player top 10 player in the league for sure and yeah they made the nets kind of suck um Kyrie left and i was pretty disappointed watching kevin durant in like every game he was pretty careless with the ball a lot which i feel like isn't what he usually does um and i don't know if that's the the celtics defense or just Kevin Durant just trying to do stuff and it wasn't there. I don't know, but he looked pretty terrible to me, to be honest. Um, now, this whole season as a failure doesn't go on him. He was there and played really well all year. Um, what I don't get is after the game and Curry says, we didn't have enough time to play together in jail. Like, well, dude, <laughs> you chose not to play in half of the season yeah we're all looking for who did this that hot dog meat that meme of the or the gif <laughs> of the guy in the hot dog suit who's like we're yeah. all trying to figure out who did this so like don't say we didn't of... have enough time to gel and they did well yeah they all chose to get vaccinated to play yes that's your right yeah. to choose but hey you also sacrificed not getting to play all these games because of that you can't contradict yourself man well on yourself at that point. um and then the Ben Simmons thing, lastly, is, I mean, that's what sucks about that whole trade is because you were making that trade, um, get rid of James Harden, bring in Ben Simmons and those couple pieces. Um, 
hoping that you would get some Ben Simmons out of it this year because obviously you don't make that trade if he's not playing. Um, yeah. So that's very disappointing. And I mean, I'll, it was funny that that you know they lose game three and then all of a sudden, oh my back flared up again. Like, oh come on, dude. Like, are you gonna play five ten minutes or, or not? Like, just shut it down. Quit teasing us. Um, the problem is they're probably gonna run this back again next year. Yeah, well, I don't think they really have many other. They don't options. have an option, like, I really. You, I think you really you have to see what it looks like with him. You traded, you know, James Harden for him, whatever you know you think of James Harden, but you you traded for him. You got to see what this thing looks like with the three of them together. Yeah. I, I, it is disappointing. I I think it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Like, I, I'm sorry, Ben Simmons. I I, I just don't get it, man. No, it's a, it's a joke to me now. For sure. Like. Especially after some of the stuff that he did, like I, I tweeted about it, I think it was two weeks ago, when he told that reporter to record this video of him and post this, and it was just him, a six eleven dude, dunking on nobody. Also, like, oh, while cool. you're on that, also don't look like an asshat on the bench. Yeah, don't be yeah. wearing orange no. and blue when your team is in all black, like or sit behind the bench. Like, also don't attract more, more attention to yourself. It just it makes no sense and like there's there's obviously some mental thing there, um, but man, you you just wasted a whole season of everybody's time and yeah. oh I'm gonna come back oh I'm gonna come back and it seemed like the Nets had no idea what was going on nope. like some of the reports there's a lot of frustration between the players and the front office with and the coaches that hey we thought you were gonna come and play like we we were under the impression that you wanted to play so. I don't know who's making the calls on for him, but you know, I, I just don't know where his career goes from here. And you know, he's obviously hurting the teams that he's been on yep. more than he's helping them so far. So, you know, I don't really know what the answer is for him. If you're the Nets, like I think you, like you said, I think you have to run this back. I don't think you fired Nash, even though I don't think Nash provided anything for him. What do you think they do with Nash? Do you think he's the scapegoat here? I think he will be. I don't think he should be. I mean, you hired a guy based off his playing career. Coaching is way different. Like, you know, it took Jason Kidd a few yeah. times around that circle to figure it out until he got to this Mavericks team. And maybe Steve Nash needs that same kind of thing. He needs to take a step back, go to a different team or two, and then he can come back around. But obviously, yeah, you gave him the keys to something that, it was a hell of a piece to try to put together, um, you know. So I don't think a lot of blame should be on him. Um, but when you are saying, like, stuff like, uh, you know, KD and Kyrie are tired, like they played a lot of minutes. Well, dude, you control the minutes. You're, you can make a sub. like, Or say, yeah, we need them to play a lot of minutes. Sorry if they're tired. Like, pick a side. Like... <laughs> That's the only like coaching thing I've heard really that doesn't doesn't check out. I think it's a bad look all around for this, you know, for kind of everybody on this team. You know, I thought Durant had one of the worst yeah. series of his career, but you know, this is year three of them doing this. Of course, Kevin Durant was out that first year, but you know, him and Kyrie signed on, and all you've got out of it is one series win, one yep. playoff series win. And then, um, you know, you lose last year to the Bucks, and then you get swept this year. So uh, it's kind of like all or nothing next year, really. And, you know, whether that's with Nash as the head coach, who would want to fucking coach there? Like, you got two guys controlling the team with Kevin Durant, and you got a crazy person, Kyrie, yeah. controlling the team. You got who knows what's going on with Ben Simmons. Yeah. Like, what job is more attractive, the Lakers job or the Nets job? Or just not Neither. taking a job. <laughs> but even when they started this whole adventure, they both said they don't need a coach. Yeah, they were like, we're the guys. <laughs> I don't I don't know how okay. you go forward with Ben Simmons and Kyrie in the, in the same yeah. locker room. Like, you can only have one of those guys at most. Like, type of guys. Yeah, right. Like, And they're complete opposite from each other. And... <laughs> And those things, but they're still like just such head cases. Uh, it's yeah. just, it's weird. It's bizarre. Um, I am happy that the Celtics were able to dispatch of them uh, like they did. We can get them up and out of here. 
but some of the other series that are currently going on, let's just kind of fly by this one. Bucks versus Bulls. Bucks lead the series three games to one. This series looks to be pretty much over. Uh, Chris Middleton was injured, and you know the Bulls were able to steal one from Milwaukee early. But since then, the Bucks have just dominated despite missing Chris Middleton. And now there's news that Zach Levine will be out for game five uh, due to health and safety protocols. So this looks like the series that we thought going into it, which was going to be Bucks were going to get rid of them pretty quickly. If it, if the Bulls were able to steal a game, okay. But, you know, this series has kind of gone according to plan. Anything to add Honestly, to that? Honestly, no. <laughs> uh, thanks, for, thanks for participating, Bulls. Uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, but you know, maybe try, you know, maybe some health and stuff goes into next year and you are able to compete more, but that series is all but over. And the last series that thought was over, but yet the Raptors are somehow hanging on the Raptors still game, uh, five from the Sixers in Philadelphia to make it a a three, two series. Uh, of course, game three ended on an epic Joel Embiid buzzard beater. And looked like the series was over, but the Raptors have won two straight. Doc Rivers <laughs> has blown multiple three-one series lead. He's never blown a three-zero series lead. Dustin, are you worried at all for the Sixers? You know, also factoring in the fact that Joel Embiid injured his thumb and is going to have to have surgery after the season, but is playing through the injury. Where's your concern level at for the Sixers? You think they end up pulling this out, or you think the Raptors can make make us? You know, maybe push this to game seven. Yeah, they might. Um, apparently, the Embiid injury is pretty significant. Like, it's really hurting, hindering him, and he's just trying yeah. his best to get through it. But what the hell are the Sixers doing? Like, how are you going to let the Raptors hang around? Like, they had – what was a game – They didn't even exactly. have Fred Van That's Vliet. They won game night. four without Fred Van Vliet on the floor. Like, how are you going to let them do that? Like – Without their best player, I mean, Pascal Siakam's good and an all-star type player, but that's not about all they got right now. You should be able to handle them. They should be, and you know, Harden is not living up to the standards that they you know traded for. He's shooting thirty-seven percent from the field, thirty-eight percent from three so far this postseason. So he hasn't been a reliable scoring option for them. Tyrese Maxey's still been good, but you know, they're flirting with the impossible here and if there's a coach or more perfect team for this to happen to it's probably the philadelphia 76ers um and and so this would be epic so it's definitely something to keep your eyes on i ultimately expect the 76ers to figure out a way to pull this off they do have game seven in philadelphia if it goes to that but uh you have two games here to try to right the ship but yeah it is concerning and it kind of sucks that there's been so many injuries in this postseason but i feel like we had the same conversation in the last postseason so something everybody has to deal with um it's uh, survival survive in advance um so eastern conference dustin we talked about what we felt in the west you had heat celtics right or no you had but heat bucks um, you had Heat Bucks. I had Heat no, Celtics. No, I had Sixers Finals. Bucks. Yeah, Sixers Bucks. That's right. You were a Sixers. I forgot. Yeah. So, so you uh, Sixers kind of on the brink with that Joel Embiid injury. Have your thoughts changed? Who do you see kind of coming out of the East now? And that second round of Bucks and Celtics should be the. Eastern Finals, I think. Those are the best two teams remaining out of that side. Um, I think we're going to get four great teams there. I I can't really pick from either of those two. I think one of those two is the best team, whoever wins that side of the uh, Bucks and Celtics. I really like my Celtics Finals pick. Um, I, yeah. I picked them to make it, and I'm feeling pretty confident about that after they were able to you know, sweep the Nets. Uh, they're still going to have a tough road because they're going to have to go through Bucks, and then they're going to have to go through probably looks kind of like it's going to be the Heat. Heat. And that's three really tough series to win. Yeah. But I do like that Heat-Celtics uh, Eastern Conference Finals setup right now. I think that would be a great conference finals um, with two really good hard-playing defenses and you know a couple stars on each side. So uh, that's kind of what I'm pulling for right now. And so I, th- I still think my Celtics uh, finals pick is pretty re- realistic right now as they might be playing better than 
anybody in the Eastern Conference. But anything to add to the playoffs right now? As uh, uh, next time we talk, we will be well in. We'll be into round two. Excited for that. Excited for the second round and for the better teams who kind of had easy journeys to get to the second round to be playing uh, some stiffer competitions. So. Uh, NBA playoffs are always entertaining. We'll keep you up to date on the latest news and information on that next week. But it's draft time. Uh, draft starts Thursday. It's one of me and Dustin's favorite weekends of the year. We always love the first round uh, and everything that ensues with it. So I'm going to kick this over to Dustin and let's talk a little NFL draft. Are you ready for the football? All right, guys. NFL draft is this weekend. First round is on Thursday night with the rest of it finishing up Friday and Saturday. Um, I got some bunch of the top picks for you guys, some prop bets. Uh, talk about our Texas teams here. Um, and then even the Texas Tech guys that to look out for that could get drafted. So I'll start at the very top. Um, number one pick, Jacksonville Jaguars. You were on the clock. You've been on the clock for months. You took your guy at quarterback last year and trevor lawrence and sucked again so bad that you get to do it all over again but the thing about this draft this year is there's no there's no like hey that guy is a all-star pro bowler hall of famer we're taking him you know there's no star-studded draft this year um it's a solid draft there's quite a few deep positions still but no studs at the top um which is intriguing because Aiden Hutchinson was thought to be the number one pick out of Michigan defensive in there. But all of a sudden Trayvon Walker from Georgia has, you know, got a lot of steam coming up. A lot of the rumors are that the GM over in Jacksonville was in San Francisco quite a few years ago, took a guy like um, Alden Smith, who's more of a freak athlete type player and has crazy attributes and higher upside, and apparently that's his go-to move, kind of, rather than taking the sure thing. So, Brooks, what do you think the Jags do? Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, or something else crazy, because they're the Jags? I think, like, from what I've heard, this is it's going to be, like, D-lineman, 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 probably before, before any other position gets taken. Who's the other D lineman that I'm not thinking of right now that's kind of up there? Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau. He's kind of falling yeah. in some things. I, I think mean, while you while you bring that up and think I have, you know, Detroit's number two, Houston's number three. I literally have y'all need to take the best player available. That yeah, could be Kayvon Thibodeau, that could be Trayvon Walker, Hutchinson if he's left to you. Um, there's also two really good corners in Singletary from LSU and Sauce Gardner. Um, so they're going to have some good picks to pick from. So, yeah, Like you said, it's, it's tough to really guess the first pick because like, yeah. there's no clear cut like, oh, you got to get this guy over this guy. Right. Like, Aiden Hutchinson, sure. Um, Kayvon Walker, sure. Like it, it just comes down to whatever your GM fancies more. If he fancies the athletic specimen uh, over maybe like the – you know, Joey Bolsa type sure of Aiden Hutchinson, yeah. then sure, he might go that way. And so maybe it's a smokescreen. Maybe it's just to throw people off. <laughs> but I don't really know the need of throwing a smokescreen over a defensive lineman. No. So, um, <laughs> Right. I think if you're the Jags and you've been, obviously, the Jags for a long time, you just got your quarterback. There's not a huge O-lineman or receiver, so you're going defense here. Just take the sure thing in Aiden yeah. Hutchinson. Like, you might not be shooting for the moon, but he's got a, such a higher floor that he's going to be a good, stable player for you for a while. And that's what you need right now. Yeah. It's okay to do that. Yeah. I, like, I, I would put my money probably on Aiden Hutchinson going there if, like, I was yeah. forced to, to bet on it. I think that's what I would do. But it's the Jags, so I'm not, like, going to be shocked if they decide yeah. to go – random but, and you know pick somebody else yeah after the jags though like i said detroit and houston picking at two and three they were so bad last year take the best player left and obviously it's a lot of defensive guys like i said i'm interested to see obviously where Kayvon goes he was supposedly the number one pick going into last year's football season 
had some injury stuff. Now some of his like off the field stuff is like, yeah. Oh, he's interested in other things. How how much so? You know, the hate guys um, who have other interests. Right, makes no sense. No, but I think they should they should take whatever player's best available to them and roll with it. Don't try to shoot for the moon on anything. You just need a good stable player. Um, anything else like top three, top five, or guys in that range you have questions about? Um, I, I'm more like teams. I'm kind of curious in because the Jets have a couple top ten picks, don't they? <laughs> so that was my next note. We have eight teams with multiple first-round picks. It's the most that's ever happened. It's crazy to see that many teams with that many multiples. Um, Lions have two and 32. Texans have three and 13. Jets have four and 10. Giants have five and seven. You got Eagles and Saints with a couple middles and Packers Chiefs with a couple at the end. But it's pretty crazy to see that many teams with that many. It also kind of sucks for those teams to have – all those picks in this draft that doesn't have any studs. Well, to like well, I actually think that's what makes it interesting is because the receiver market, you know, we got Debo Samuel out oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's also rumors about A.J. Brown and, and some other top receivers, Terry McLaurin, like that are wanting big contracts that the teams that they're on might not give them. So I'm curious, you know, these teams that do have these two top picks, if they're hey, let's go get somebody who we know is good instead of drafting somebody who we hope's good and maybe spending that capital on getting a guy like Debo. Um, you know, the Jets missed out on uh, uh, Tyreek Hill sweeps. Yeah. So maybe they try to go make a move and get Debo Samuel or something like that. So I think I'm more interested to see, like, if a team makes a move with the kind of draft capital that they have and maybe a team that's, you know, loves this young receiver class because I think it's a really damn good receiver class. If I'm looking at yeah. the strengths of this draft, I think it's at receiver. Like a team that's Ooh, like, yeah. hey, we can just replace what we've got with a, one of these younger guys that we think we can develop. Like Kyle Shanahan makes sense for that because like, I think he thinks that he made Debo. And so he's like, doesn't matter. We'll trade hey, Debo off. I can make another Debo with one of these young guys. Yeah. So to mix a lot of your things in there, Yes, yeah, there's four four badass receivers in this this draft. Jamison Williams from Alabama, Drake London USC, and two Ohio State guys, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. I could see I all four. There's like Traylon Burks, the Arkansas kid, who I've heard a lot. Of yeah, I could see all four of them going fifteen or higher, top twenty for sure. So if you want one of these stud receivers, um, like your next Jefferson, Jamar Chase, one of those type guys. You're gonna have to move up if you're the Packers or the Chiefs, like you were saying. That's where my more mindset, my mindset was, is like Packers who just got rid of Devonte Adams. Right. Yeah. Those four badass receivers aren't gonna be there in the twenties for them. The Chiefs that have thirty-one, thirty or thirty, thirty-one or something like that, they're not gonna have receivers. I mean, good receivers, but not a, a all-star guy like you know Jamison Williams. Not somebody who um, you could believe. You could wrap your head around them kind of replacing some of the production that you lost with Tyreek Hill. So to counter your point, like if I'm the Jets or the Giants that want to, you know, um, a guy, I don't go trade for Debo when I can get one of these three or four guys and not have to pay him for a few years. Yeah. You know, because that's the good thing about the receivers draft lately is college is producing NFL ready yeah. Pro Bowl type guys, so you don't have to necessarily go get, you know, a Debo Samuel. Like in years past, that would be crazy to do. Um, I know we've seen some guys move a lot this year, but that's mostly money based. So if you're going off money, stick at four or five, six, and take you know, take your Chris Olave and yeah. Jake uh, Drake London. I mean, look at the last two years. You you know, Justin Jefferson immediately, yeah. and then last year Javon Chase. Or Jamar Chase was Jamar, one of the yeah. best receivers in all of football, and it right. was a big reason that team made the Super Bowl. So, um, I think I saw a mock today with six receivers going first round. Yeah, so that might get us back to our shop at later on because I I had one of the props I was going to maybe suggest other than the SEC one was over under five and a half receivers in the first round. Yeah, so we could also 
contemplate that. Um, uh, yeah, teams I thought might move could be like Packers or Chiefs. Yeah, with their couple picks, um, but they have the Chiefs have a ton of picks from that Tyree trade, so they could do a lot if they wanted to move up to get a Jamison Williams type guy. Um, and maybe you know one of these other teams can think, oh yeah, we can move back, get a couple extra picks, and still get the linemen or whoever we want. Right. So that I think that top half of that first round gets pretty interesting because you have all those repeat guys like Jets at four and ten, Giants at five and seven. Like that's a lot of picks in very short time. Yeah. Um, so there could be teams interested. Oh yeah, that's what I think makes this draft really interesting is just kind of some of the weight some of these teams at the top have because they have the luxury of having multiple picks and knowing that some of these teams are kind of desperate to try to replace something that they traded off. And yep. so sure they, it might be easier for them to just try to draft that. But you know, Kent city might be desperate for one of these top receivers since they just got rid of one. Yeah. Dallas. I hit on Houston earlier. They're at three and 13. Literally, they're so bad. Just take whoever's best right there. Don't go swinging for fences or don't go picking yeah. way out of order. Just get whoever's the best and plug them in, man. Um, Dallas is picking at 24. They need a lot of help on the O-line, but if for some reason one of these receivers falls to them, don't be surprised if they take another skill guy. They just lost two receivers this offseason. Yeah. So. I wouldn't be surprised there. Um, Who do you well. want personally? There, that pick is kind of so far down. I haven't put that much thought into it. I'll kind of look at it as we go on Thursday night, more like. You know, last year we were picking. I think we ended up picking like eleventh or something, or yeah, twelve, somewhere in that like top fifteen range. So it's a lot easier to kind of pick and choose. But at twenty four, it's a lot harder to figure out what might happen ahead of you. Um, right. The old line has been depleted over the last few years with health and guys moving around, but O line, receiver, um, and D line is what they need. So a lot of options there. And a lot of deep options in this draft for that. So that's good. Um, any other questions? I got quarterback talk coming up in our prop bets, but any other questions from you about teams or players? No, I think I'm all set. I think we've discussed all the teams that I'm curious about or think something might happen with and wide receiver is the most interesting position to me in this draft so we covered all that so some props we like to look at and talk about so we're gonna pick one of these out of for our shot bet later in the week um we just talked about receivers at five and a half man if i had to pick off the top of my head right now i'd take the over on that what would you I do would there do I would do under. Oh, I no. Just because I don't want to do this. I had thing. I saw five in the top twenty-two today. Oh, like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, um, Traylon. There's Burke. a guy from like Western Michigan. His first name was Sky with two Y's. He was going like fifth. Um. <laughs> shit. Yeah. Maybe I would have. Some I don't have it in front of me in more of a list than them. But I yeah, think, I would take. The I think over. it's gonna get like. I think you'll be able to tell really early on in that one if it's going to hit the over if, like, one of those receivers goes really early and then teams kind of start trading or making moves to get up and get a receiver. I think you're going to end up seeing more because there's also that Georgia kid who's kind of falling at the bottom of the first round, early second round, who, like, another team might just be like, well, we need to get a receiver before he's gone. So it, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Um, so quarterbacks reason this draft is kind of, you know, not that interesting, you know, star wise is because the quarterbacks aren't the headline. Like usual, you don't have your Jameis and Mariota. You don't have your Trevor Lawrence stud, Andrew Luck, you know, and quarterbacks start flying off, off the charts. Cause there's only a few teams that need quarterbacks. There's a, few, a lot of situations that you just recently took them. Uh, we're kind of going that middle route, uh, like the Colts. But you got teams like Carolina at six is the earliest that something could happen there. And they – you keep hearing rumors they're good with 
Um, Darnold. Oh, what's his name from the Jets they just got? I can't think of who he is. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold yeah. um, but I don't know what they're doing. I've heard all kinds of smoke from them. They're not really saying anything um, at six. But the biggest one is the Steelers at 20 are pretty likely to take one. Um, Malik Willis has been pictured there a lot. So the over-under quarterbacks was three and a half. Uh, Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are probably going to go first round. After that's when it gets kind of questionable. Um, so Brooks, over under three and a half quarterbacks you taken in the first round. I think under in this one because I think teams are starting to get smart after we had that whole dumb Jared Goff-Carson Wentz draft where teams convinced themselves like Jared Goff was worth the number one pick. <laughs> like I think teams have kind of wised up and – it's like, like you said, take the best available position. And so I just don't think there's the talent there worth taking yes. a risk. And as you get to the late rounds or the later of the first round, you have the teams who probably already have a quarterback in place right. are very desperate to get one. So, um, and, and a lot of the teams at the top that you'd normally think that are going to take them are, have already kind of got that quarterback in place, right. like the Jaguars. And, you know, I think the Lions are... Texans like Davis Mills. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening yet. Yeah. I got the under as well. I think at least those two guys go. But you also have better quarterback class next year. Yeah. So if you're you're thinking about it, you're not going to go out on a limb for... You might for Malik Willis just because he has the upside. Um, Right. But outside of that, no chance. I'd have the under as well. That makes sense for the Steelers because I have the confidence in them to take a quarterback like Malik Willis and yes. and, and develop him and make him, you know, worth that pick. But yeah, if you're stretching like yeah. the Panthers are for it. I just don't really see how that works out. Nope. Last over under I got is SEC players taken in the first round. A lot of times it's Bama players um, or Clemson players, but I went all SEC and found a ten and a half off of FanDuel for SEC players. Now I was looking at stuff and listening earlier this week. There's obviously multiple Alabama players on the list, like usual. But there's four to five Georgia defensive players alone <laughs> that could go. Um, I don't know where to go on this, so I'm going to let you kick this one off. Ten and a half is the number for SEC players in the first round of 32 picks. So the mock or the, the draft I was looking at on ESPN had 10. Oh, know. see? But then another one I looked at had 11. And it, oh. I, think, I think a couple of it de- depends on um, – Kind of like that, like that. What's that Georgia, Georgia linebacker that everybody uh, – Dean, Nicobe Dean. That hurt his I, knee. I think a lot of it depends on him because a lot of people have – I think he goes. Round, I think he ends up going in the first. Uh, yeah. If that's the case, then I'll go over. If it base, it's fifth based on him yeah. and he was – whatever he was saying is the best player on that defense last year. <laughs> I think it's also – same with the receivers. I think if receiver goes over, I think that this goes over because I think some of those receivers mm-hmm. that are coming out the back would be that Arkansas receiver, Traylon Burks, and okay. then the Georgia receiver. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this ends up being going over maybe. Oh, maybe we need to pick that one for our shot bet. Yeah, so that seems tough, like I could, I could also see the it, most but... intrigue there. Yeah. So we might go SEC, we might go receivers, we might find another one for you guys, you know, by Thursday. But one of those will be our shot bet for Thursday night. Um, last little bit of draft news is Texas Tech players to look out for. <clears throat> Three guys on the list. Um, obviously, Eric Uzukama, wide receiver. He should go somewhere in the mid-rounds, mid-late rounds. So probably around that four, five six at the latest um, range. I think with how receivers are going, like we're talking, I think his draft stock has been improving. Um, he had good pro day and all that good stuff. So he could be the first tech player taken in those mid-rounds. Um, last two guys, Dawson Deaton, the center, he's a late-round guy. And Demarcus Fields is also a late-round type guy. So those three guys, watch out for them this weekend. I hope they get drafted well. 
you'll start making some money in the league to in rep and tech. On and let's go ahead and get our shot bets in. Shot bets for last week. So we did a shot bet right off the bat last week, which was Ned Celtics game two. And it's kind of crazy that that series has already come to an end. But we both took the Nets in that one, thinking that they would uh, even out the series there. It looked like they were going to be able to do it. They had a pretty sizable lead, but uh, Celtics came back, got the victory, ended up sweeping the Nets. So we both lost the shot bet there. Dustin paid his off over the weekend with a friend of the show and Keenan Ward. Uh, Happy birthday, Keenan. His birthday over uh, the weekend. So shout out to Keenan. Uh, our second shot bet was last night's Jazz versus Mavs game, uh, game five. Mavs dominated the Jazz as we talked about, uh, giving us both the shot bet victory there. Uh, so currently as it stands, Dustin owes two and I owe one. Uh, shot bets for this week. Uh, we will do our NFL draft bet right now. Dustin, do you want to do the SEC or do you want to do the receivers? I think the SEC one was what we got to go with. That had the most in, indifference of like, I don't know what to pick. So I, I'll take the over with it um, on the 10 and a half number. All right, Dustin going over and I'll go under. Uh, okay. It would be opposite of you, but I, I think it's really going to be on that like 10, 11 line. So it's just going to kind of come down to the wire on that. I, I don't think either bet's a bad one to place on that one. If FanDuel's got it up, that means it's a pretty legit bet. So Dustin yep. going over 10 and a half SEC players. I am taking the under uh, 10 and a half SEC players to uh, for our first shot bet. So we'll get that posted on Thursday for you to participate in. Our second shot bet will be an NBA playoff game to be determined later. Uh, we'll wait and see if a uh, game seven or something pops up, and then uh, that will be our second shot bet for the week. And so that'll do it for our shot bets for this week. Dustin, do you got a final shot for us? Yeah, I figured one out. Uh, speaking of kind of tying it into shot bets, I started a nutrition challenge at our CrossFit gym, and so I'm trying to take this one a little more serious than the last one, so I'm doing – Really good eating and no alcohol for the next month. So I won't be taking and making up any shot bets. They're just going to rack up for the next month. So hopefully I can win quite a few. Hopefully you can get some right. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I get some right and get get some. So that way when I come back in a month, you know, end of May, uh, I've lost quite a few pounds and looking good. And I can make up those shot bets later. So. All right. Well, yeah, hopefully you keep that number low. Uh, so you don't have a shit ton to pay off when you get back to yeah. that. Uh, my final shot for this week, I'm going to go baseball here. Miguel Cabrera uh, racked up his 3,000th career hit over the weekend, a milestone that only a few players have reached, and maybe a milestone we won't see somebody reach for a long, long, long time. There's a lot of guys that... Um, are very, very far off from it right now. And so it doesn't really <laughs> seem like it might be possible. Uh, Mike Trout would be a guy, but he's been injured throughout his career. So, um, yeah, it like takes... the closest next is like Robinson Cano, but he's like 39 years old, and yeah. like 400 away. <laughs> so it seems like it's uh, going to be one of those things that we don't get to see very much of anymore. So. You know, shout out to him. He was a young phenom with the Marlins, won the World sure. Series with them, uh, won the, you know, uh, triple crown in batting, yeah. which hadn't been done in a long time. So, uh, and just a real fun baseball player to watch. And so shout out to him for that. And then I just wanted to bring up the Kyle Schwarber uh, yelling at the uh, Angel Hernandez, who is one of the worst ever at doing a job in the history of anything, one of the worst umpires who's still able to do it because they're stupid ass union. Uh, but did you see that, that rant and what did you think about it? So, I mean, the pitch he got rung up on wasn't that bad, but he missed, I saw our stats today. He's he only got 77% of the calls correct in the, that game. So that means one out of every four pitches or I guess strikes strikes wise, he got wrong. Yeah. 
That's, that's horrible. <laughs> and yeah, they said he missed like over a dozen calls that game. He's missed like over 2,000. I think somebody said he's missed over like 2,800 calls over the last like Whoa. couple of years. Like, wow. He's just really bad. And he's, and he's probably, he's definitely the most hated in all of baseball. And like you said, that call was a little bit outside. It could have been a ball or strike either way. Like, who knows if that box is correct. But I think Schwarber just let out all of baseball's frustrations on him. For like, sure. Calling it over he here. He was. Do I? Good on Schwarber. Like yeah, yeah. it was like almost the end of the game. Like there was one more out left. Just blow up, dude. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> I love that. Time. Like cool. You're not probably you're not gonna get another shot in this game anyway. Uh, but he let all of his frustrations out. You're missing it over yeah. here. You're missing it up here. You're missing it over here. <laughs> and it's on both sides. It was great. It was. Oh, I yeah. loved every minute of it. And so it, it yeah, was, I like that he brought the other team into yeah. it, and he's like, y'all agree. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was great. I love it. I love when players get mad at officials who are terrible at their jobs. And Angel Hernandez is one of the worst of them. But yet he'll be at whatever series this week, uh, doing more sure. games and missing more calls. And uh, so uh, just one of the things you get to keep doing. But anything else you want to shout out this week before we wrap it up here? No, I'm good, man. Well, all right, that'll do it for the tailgate. Uh, week 81 of it. Uh, be sure you go check out our Club Red episode this week where we talk a little baseball, football, and basketball. Um, but make sure you're following us. Follow us on Apple and Spotify and give the tailgate five stars on each one of those. And if you listen on Apple, hit us with a review. Follow the tailgate on social media, on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. We also have Facebook, Instagram, and a YouTube channel. And as always, we will catch y'all at the next tailgate. Peace.